bigger one. Blog Talk Radio. Coffee already. 
No, oh, yes, this is just a <laughs> I yes, don't well, coffee. I've had my coffee. <laughs> I've definitely had my coffee. And if I if don't her know, to start drinking coffee, it would kind of like being like the sun being on steroids because he is okay. Always all right, too much, up. too much. <laughs> <laughs> all right, he that's is, what I'm talking he about. Is. Hey, it ain't every day that we have the two peas. Have a berry. That's right. I'm, that's, that even sound good. Two peas. Okay. Get it on. Let's make it do. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. Yes. 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 I was I was looking through um, obviously some of your sites and whatever, and I personally have been connected to you and followed you since 2007. Oh. I actually went back in my wow. emails to see when did I start wow. following Miss Perry, and I found emails from you back from 2007. So you have definitely wow. been an influence in my life. Um, over the years, and I highly hold you in esteem because, as I said, you know, first and foremost, you have a heart for people, and that's one of the things that I absolutely love about you. You have a heart for seeing people's mm-hmm. needs in life, and that, that is that very is special to me. I that. One of the mm-hmm. things that I saw you described as was a reinvention expert. Please explain that. Reinvention means that someone who is already known as something else and pretty much it's like that standard, you kind of get them, that's what they are. And then all of a sudden they say, you know what, I'm really feeling God is leading me a new direction and I really want to do this now. How do I cross that bridge? How do I make that transition? And so I help people reinvent, meaning that say they're known as a pastor and now they want to be known as an author or they're known as an author, and now they want to be known as a, a pastor. I mean, so there's, there's different areas. I mean, we, we, life is about change, and it's good uh-huh. to change, but a lot of times you have to rebrand yourself or repackage yourself so that you can reinvent, and I reinvented myself. I mean, years and years ago, I, I, it's, it's certain stages of your life, depending on what's going on, certain things are good and things are fine, but when you hit a roadblock or you hit burnout or you hit another passing point that you have more passion for, or you just wake up one day and say, you know what, I really don't like doing this anymore. I really mm. don't like being a lawyer. You know, someone say, I really don't like being a doctor anymore. I really don't like, I really want to go bake cookies now. I mean, so mm. there's certain things where God, I think well, God will take away that passion for something that you had to give you something new. And we really can't fight mm-hmm. it because that's just really God's way of telling us, okay, I want you to go a different way. Now, for me, I've always loved promoting. I've always loved doing that. And so being a publicist, I studied that in school. I studied advertising and public relations. My first job out of college, I, you know, was still in the media field and producing, working for newspapers, radio and things. And I did that. And then all of a sudden, I just felt an epiphany, like what what I was doing wasn't really meaningful meaning that I was doing it for people that promoted things that I didn't really care about, meaning, you know, whether it was a a hotel, it was a car, it was a hamburger, it was, I don't know, it was just stuff. I I just, all of a sudden, I just said, I can't do this anymore. I I don't care about promoting this stuff. I don't care about McDonald's. I mean, it's like, what? So I took my same skill set, and I actually packaged it, and I said, what do I really care about? What, what, What makes me excited? And what makes me excited are people like you and DL, where you love God and you love to see people really manifest their dreams. So I guess you would say those are the motivational people, the encouraging people, the authors, the ministers. And that's what I realized. I bought those books all the time. Dr. Miles Monroe was my mentor, T.D. Jakes, and I was buying all these books, and I have hundreds and hundreds of personal development spiritual books. I said, that's what I love. I said, I want to take all the skill, knowledge, and experience I have, and I want to promote ministry. That's what I want to do. No one was doing it. So, Colette, you know, in, in 2007, you got the emails, right? But I really had been doing this since 2000. I, I started ministry marketing. Oh, wow. And no one was really promoting ministries. It's like, what do you mean market a ministry? How do you going to market a ministry? God markets a ministry. Well, yeah, God does market the ministry. He will, he will bring the people, but there needs to be some some additional tools to get it to the people. Like mm-hmm. I need to be the hands and feet, and God will actually, you know, 
do the message. And so I really started that, and I said that was my passion. And I did everything from consulting with the client, writing the news stories, developing the angle for the stories, pitching the letters, pitching the editors, pitching the news directors, the producers, writing the PSAs, uh, you know, doing the community calendar bulletins, you know, doing the, developing the target media list, arranging the interviews. I mean, I was like, I was on fire. But then no one was doing that. I, I, there was no one really doing ministry marketing. I was doing the e-blast. The Internet was just getting on the scene. So a lot of this mm-hmm. had to be done manually. So by the time you probably collect where you saw my email, 2007, I was I had a small staff, but primarily working with the churches and the ministries, it was just really just me and maybe about four or five other people, and then I had some interns. And so it was a lot of follow-up calls, a lot of meetings, photos, shoots. I mean, this is all pre-Internet, a lot of pre-apps. I mean, this, I was burnt out. Mm-hmm. I was like, Whew, Wow, I can only imagine. I, I was like, I can't, I can't do another book tour. I can't do another press release. I'm like burned out. I was like, I can't do another media kit. I just can't. And really about then where God would have it, everything shifted in terms of the online. I wasn't, I mean, my first website, when I looked at 2000, it looked a joke. It was so hilarious. But now it's very different. So by 2007, 2008, I really decided that this is, I realized that this is way to go. So not that media was ever going away, but Blog Talk Radio came on the scene. It's very, very uh, simple. It's in iTunes. I mean, iTunes just came on the scene. Remember how iTunes just wrecked the music industry, and then Amazon yep. just wrecked the book, the book publishing industry. So there were certain things I saw about my field, public relations. I said, there's something to this social media. And I uh-huh. think that I should teach my authors – speakers and pastors to really, and coaches, to really learn how to leverage the social media for PR. And that's when Mm -hmm. I decided I would do that. And it was like I was leaving it, but I reinvented myself. And so I became a 10-year-old PR firm that reinvented itself to PR 2.0. So PR 2.0 meant that I was a PR coach, not necessarily a publicist Mm -hmm. anymore. I'm not that person holding your hand you know, going to your book mm-hmm. signing, taking your pictures, it's now like, okay, here's a selfie stick, you're going to do a virtual blog tour, and you're going to get on the radio, and you're going to do some podcasts. I mean, it, it became a whole different thing. You're going to set up your Facebook page. This is what you need to do. This is how you optimize your website. And I went head first in terms of really mm-hmm. reinventing myself into a PR coach because it really is. PR, people can do their own PR today. If they know the way to do it right. And that's when I say I'm a reinvention specialist, helping people. I have personally done it myself, and then I help other people do that as well. That's awesome. That That's incredible. Um, yeah, something I, that I'm, you touched I'm, on. I'm speechless. <laughs> well, I'm not, but... <laughs> Something that you touched on that is so vital um, is the the thought of there's something that you have to do as well as what God is going to do, you know, and even in, and I'm sure in your coaching and, and reinventing yourself, it's a matter of saying, you know, understanding, God, you've given me many different assignments. My calling is the same, but my assignment changed. And, mm-hmm. and I, I'm so, you know, blown at how you rode the tidal wave to a new assignment just by, you know, mm-hmm. um, establishing, reestablishing yourself and understanding the signs of the time. And I personally, I think that comes from a relationship with the Holy Spirit because God will never mm-hmm. leave you behind the time. He will always push you forward. I do, um, I do entrepreneurship um, education. I have a, a ministry. It was called God's, uh, I'm sorry, God's Marketplace, and it is now kind mm-hmm. of evolved into Kingdom Empowerment. But one of the things that. that that is so prevalent to me is the fact that when I started this in 2005, it was from looking at people on two sides of the spectrum. One, either you thought that God had nothing to do with your business and shouldn't be included in it, 
or you thought that God mm. was just going to do everything and all you had to do was sit back and do nothing. So there had to be a mm. balance, you know. It's yes. like you take your natural and place his super on it and have supernatural success. But it, it's the two That's working it. together. So, you know, I, I fully hear what you're saying. I fully hear what you're saying. Now, in, in reinventing oneself, where should a person start? I mean, you know, how do they get started in this? If they are going to reinvent themselves, so say, for instance, and I, I work a lot with baby boomers, and baby boomers are the people that um, are probably pre- <laughs> You know what? People, who are <laughs> people between the ages of 55, 54, okay, up uh-huh. to 70, uh-huh. okay? Those are the people that have had probably – 15, 20, 25, 30 years of experience in doing probably a particular thing. They probably have maybe had two career changes in their life, if that. A lot Mm -hmm. of people who are baby boomers have really only had one career their entire life. Say it's an attorney, say it's a a CPA, a controller, you know, a dentist, doctor, whatever, okay? Or even if it's just an office manager. I've been with one company. So, a lot of these people are saying, okay, I want to reinvent myself. Baby boomers statistically do not, quote, unquote, retire. And what they do is they reinvent themselves. And so when I say reinvent themselves, meaning that they go into another thing. Now, it's typical to say, well, I'll just go on and I'll become a consultant. That was the old school way. Mm-hmm. I'm just a consultant. Yes, you can be a consultant, but even as a consultant, you still have to name what you're consulting on, what it is that your brand is going to be, because there's a million consultants, okay? So you could be a business consultant, but what does that really mean? That's so nebulous, right? It's like, I don't know what that really means, and what's your specialty? So I really help people really define, drill down what it is that they really want to do, who it is their target audience. That's the first one-on-one in any type of marketing, who it is that you want to target. What is your target audience? What are their pain points? What is it? that they really um, are going to pay you to solve a problem. People pay for people solving problems. So what, what is the mm-hmm. pain point of this target audience that you want to reach? And so a lot of times they're, they haven't thought that way because they've been in a job, right? They haven't mm-hmm. thought about yes. a target audience yes. because basically they were getting a paycheck and they were just told what to do. It's like I did my job well. Now I've got to really think, like you said, Corlette, in terms of a, entrepreneurial type of way. What is mm-hmm. it that, that mm-hmm. I can do? So a lot of the times the the best way that I tell people to reinvent themselves and reposition themselves and to reset their whole career or their whole really shift in terms of their, their business is to write a book. It really is. It's to write a book. And it doesn't have to be a 300-page book. It doesn't have to be a textbook. I, even though I have some friends that have written textbooks and they sell for about two or three hundred dollars, that's a good business. But I, I even have some clients that have written booklets, meaning that they've written a booklet on tips on particular topics. My first book, quote unquote, was a booklet. It was 115 PR tips on how to brand your ministry, and basically it was a brain. Uh, dump of everything I've learned about marketing ministry and how to brand a ministry. I wrote it in a weekend because it was so much innate information that I knew that that I just had to put it on there. Like I wrote down 150, I wrote down as many tips as I could of what would take a business, a, a ministry from zero to 100, okay? So these were all of the hmm. things that I knew that they had to have. That was my first thing. That was my booklet. It's on Amazon now. It was a way to actually get that out of my head on paper. Then the next book I wrote, it was actually a book on how to use the power of partnerships to market your book, grow your business, and brand your ministry. That was my next book. So the books are a way that really shows people that, one, you're an author, so you are, quote, unquote, an authority, right, because the word authority has the word author in it. And it really repositions you and lets your it lets you know who your target market is because whoever buys that book is your target market. So you can then go on and provide more services to that target market. So the book is one way to launch into a whole new area. So if you want to be known as an authority or an expert, have a book, and then from there really go on and build build out your your platform. 
black platform from that that point. You know, there's some other things. You know, obviously you have to have a website, but that's that's a whole other conversation in terms of really what that what that all involves. But definitely for sure, writing a book. So even if you're working right now and you're thinking like, I really want to do something else, outline your book. Outline your book, and then from outlining the book, outline the marketing of that book, the marketing plan of the book before you write the book. I tell people that all the time because if you cannot market the book and you're writing the book right now and you can't market the book, meaning you can't sell it, then you're just journaling. So you need a marketing plan to sell the book. Who is going to buy the book? And so it will take you through that whole exercise of what this book is about, who's going to buy it, what pain points you're going to, um, you know, discuss, how you're going to solve a problem for whoever's going to read this book. I'm talking nonfiction books, obviously. So, so you really have to write the book, write the marketing plan, and from there you build your platform, and then the whole plethora of other other hundred things that you need to do will go along with that. But writing the book is a step number one. Let me ask you a question, um, and, and I'm going to use myself for an example, because I've written two. My first one um, was Embrace God's Love, A Journey Through the Wilderness, that I wrote back in 2003, but I did not do what you just laid out. I didn't have a marketing plan. I just, I was actually, I was working, and at the time I was working for Don King Productions, so I did not have a lot of extra time, you know, to really mm-hmm. market the book. Um so I wrote it, got it published, you know, all is well. Mm-hmm. I sold it when I would speak. You know, I would sell it as speaking engagements, but as far as it, mm-hmm. you know, being widespread, it wasn't. Um, my second book was basically what I use as my textbook for my Kingdom Empowerment Seminars. It's um, God's Marketplace mm-hmm. One-on-One. So I have that. But now because I didn't have the marketing plans back then, could I still use those? To, to relaunch, yeah. or do I need to start afresh? And because I'm in the midst of trying to finish my third book, the difference is my third book is fictional. It's my story, but I'm like this. I am very transparent and don't have a problem telling my story, but everybody connected to me may have a problem. So I changed the name to protect the guilty. <laughs> so I did it as a novel. Um, which I'm trying okay. to finally get finished at this point. So would it be better just to go ahead and start launching with that than to go backwards with what's already done? Well, it depends on what is your ultimate goal. I mean, so the ultimate goal with a lot of writing, and I'm just going to be frank, this is real talk, mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of times people write from the standpoint of what they want to write instead of what the mm-hmm. market would bear. So a lot of writing okay. people write, I would say, is that um, I guess you would say it's it's that it, it's cathartic for them. It's 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 a it's therapeutic for them. It's it's like a journal or a blog or mm-hmm. it's it's something mm-hmm. that they feel led to do, but not necessarily something as a business. Like this is going to this is uh, a problem that people are going to pay for that they really need. And this is this is how I'm going to really turn this in. So what you're writing from, it sounds like a passion, like I really just need to tell my story, which is fine. You could do that, but you can also tell your story on your blog without actually writing the book. Or you could tell your story by actually just speaking and maybe doing a TED Talk. Or maybe you could tell your story by doing, you know, a lot of other things besides writing the book. The book itself is those are those key things that really – align you with your expertise. So okay. it, you see what I'm saying? It's like an author, you're an authority in something. So so the book, the second book you were talking about, sounds like that's your pivotal book. That is your your book that really is your platform book. That's what you want to be known mm-hmm. as. The first okay. book sounds like it's just a backroom sales type of book where you speak and you have more than one book, but but the book that you're actually marketing from, it sounds like Colette, is like that is the one that you are really have the most knowledge in, you speak from it, it has right. the most legs to it, meaning like it, it could be evergreen. I mean, you could take that book, then you can make booklets, you can make DVDs from mm-hmm. it, you can make webisodes from it. I mean, right. you could, that is, that's the main product. So now you're splitting hairs. It's like now I've got to stop marketing this and all the other, because every book can re- really have up to 100 products from it. So now I'm stopped marketing the second book, 
I'm going to go market this right this third book. Now I've got to stop from a nonfiction to a fiction to start marketing this book. You see, now we're splitting hairs, and that's probably the number one thing where I really coach people on. It's like, really, what is your ultimate goal? And then realize each one is an energy. And so you've got to stop one, pick up another, stop one, pick up another. And it's not that easy to do because each time you stop and pick up another, you lose momentum of the last thing you did. So mm-hmm. nothing really takes off as strong as it could be because the the marketing muscle behind it and the mindset behind each one is different. Now you can speak, and then your main key point that you're speaking on is number two, and you could sell that first book there. But I think part of what you're saying in that the, the third book can be, you know, maybe an article in a magazine. So say, for instance, you have a great story. If you can condense it down to maybe 1,500, maybe 2,000 words, and try to sell it to Essence. I mean, try and sell it to a target audience. I mean, try and sell it to Gospel Today. I mean, it's, it's different ways besides a book for that particular thing that you're trying to say is a story. I mean, you could get the Writer's Digest and really realize what type of um, – organizations or magazines or publications would really take something on like that or even blog it, you know, uh, that, you know, just have a dedicated blog about that as well and just write it out that way. And and a lot of times I've had um, my mentor actually wrote a article in Essence. Um, her name is Terry Williams, and she's a publicist for the star, so to speak, from Janet Jackson to celebrity sports or whatever. And, she wrote a book, or she wrote an article for Essence on Black Pain, which talked about depression. And it got overwhelming response. I mean, so many black women were dealing with depression. So Terry realized that, I mean, I mean, thousands and thousands a month, that people were just contacting her. She says, you know, I think I have something here. I think I should probably write a book. So she did. She wrote a book. It took a couple of years, and she put it together. And that became a foundation um, her Black Pain Foundation, because she helps now, goes around and helps people and speaks on mental illness and all that sort of thing and, and depression. And but, but it only came after the article. She didn't sit down one day and say, you know what, I'm going through this depression. I'm going to write a book. It actually mm-hmm. was like I'm going to actually put this out there in an article and see what the response was or, you know, put it out there in a blog and see what the response is or, I'm going to do a TED Talk, you know what I mean when I say like a TED Talk, you know, in, in the different areas, um, and see if I that goes not. viral. I do not. Explain that, please. Explain okay. TED Talk. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. TED Talk is the premier speaking platform. It's TED Talk, and basically it's a platform where everyday people tell their story. And there's some that go viral. There's some people that, that once they do a TED Talk, they become instant superstars. But basically it's them telling their story in 10 minutes or less. And there's a website that probably has thousands and thousands of TED Talks. And it's very hard to get selected to do a TED Talk. They have them in different cities. Um, They have them on different themes. But TED Talk, I believe it's tedtalk.com, but if you just put in the URL, TED Talk, you'll actually see it. And a TED Talk, it it talks about technology, education, and design. And it's very high-end, high-scale um, event people, I think, actually pay a lot of money to actually t- go to the TED Talks. I think I paid like a hundred dollars or so to go see a TED Talk, and it's an all-day event, and it's nothing but speakers. And so, a TED Talk is if you have a TED Talk, the production quality is amazing. Um, when you when you have a TED Talk that goes viral, pretty much, uh, I give you an example of a person who had a TED Talk that was good. You heard the book called Lean In for Women, Sheryl Sandberg. Mm-hmm. She's the uh, the uh, lady that was head of, I want to say, Yahoo. She wrote a book called okay. Lean In. And so she was a, a woman that talked about how how women, in order to become more, rise up the corporate ladder, they have to lean in instead of lean back. So her TED Talk talked about how she became president of um, Yahoo. Is it Yahoo or AOL? I can't remember. So her TED Talk became viral, and someone came to her and said, hey, we'd like you to write a book. And the book became a New York Times bestseller. I mean, that's, that was, that's an example of, of what happens with some of the TED Talks. But it's TED. Actually, it's just TED.com, T-E-D. Oh. And they're powerful well, talks. Now, well, I'm glad you explained I'm a, that. I'm going to let D.L. go in just a moment. But i got one more question. 
Okay, so someone like, all right, on one side, I'm Elder Quaylette James. I'm a minister of the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I'm preaching and mm-hmm. doing this. On the other side, I have kingdom empowerment, which I teach seminars and, and entrepreneurship and what have you. So the fact that I am basically two different entities, do I keep them separate or do they ever meet in the middle? They meet in the middle because you're two, you're – you're one person, but both of those are you. So you find a way to really right. blend both of those. And you have. Oh. You have with the kingdom empowerment. That's what you said. That's what mm-hmm. you did. I see when I type mm-hmm. in Elder Colette James, you have a CBN interview. Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've leveraged that enough um, enough so that you really know what it is that, that that is your brand. That's your fingerprint. And so when people Google your name, they're going to see you know, CBN. And so that is the way that you actually, um, that that is what you see the comments here. I mean, you know, powerful testimony. People are now following you. They know about your ministry, but then you also have a business. You know, you're a visionary. So you've got to, you know, the whole thing where it talks about the kingdom empowerment or the kingdom business, that's really part of it as well. And, and you said it earlier. You said, you know, when you're in business, do you do you separate God from your business? No, no. You you are a way where you're showing people the walk at work. You're basically showing them faith at work. That's how you do it. You are a Christian. You're in business. Jesus is the head of your business. He's the CEO, and you're showing people how to do that because you're doing it. You're a minister. Yes, you are. You're a minister, speaker, and then you also have a business. That's done every day, all day. And you show people how easily how to do that. And they don't have to separate the two. Got it, got it. All right, Mr. DL. Because <laughs> I know you're oh, oh about my, the here. You know, I've been quiet long enough. <laughs> I've been quiet long enough, Keith. <laughs> Let me say, say, first of all, I'm glad you explained that TED Talk because I thought you were talking about teddy bear talk like pillow talk. So that that cleared that up for me. No, no, no. Uh, Ted.com. All right, not Teddy Bear. I got you. But, you know, let me show you how amazing God is. Um, Because today it was dealing with so much, I wasn't going to get on the show, but God said, you know, you need to get on the show today. And the the reason why uh, that is, Colette, as you know, um, I have been reinventing myself. You know, I've traveled the world doing comedy and things of that nature, loved it, but came up off the road just because of uh, the wear and tear, going through a divorce, um, things of that nature. But mm-hmm. now, you know, I've lost over 100-something pounds and I got about 70 wow. more pounds. Wow. Yay. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. Got about 70 more pounds to go. And so I'm getting ready to try and do a tour next year called The Wait Is Over. Um, and not just dealing with the physical weight, but mental, spiritual, um, and physically, um, being the mm-hmm, best version mm-hmm. of you. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's good to hear all this uh, this stuff because I've been saying, you know what, God, this is – because God told me it's going to be incredible. I just didn't know necessarily how to go about um, doing it uh, because, like mm-hmm. I said, you know, that's what Operation Spandex is about. I've been doing video uh, journals of, of me going to the gym and, you know, eating right and talking with the audience, and I've gotten so many people yeah. – uh, that 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 comes on and be like you know we're following you through you know uh, your your journey of of, of just weight loss but mm-hmm. it's not just about mm-hmm. uh, the the weight loss because like I said my ex wife they left me for uh, another man they cheated on me and I tell people it's not that I told them to cheat uh, per se but you have to take responsibility in it as well. And what I say to myself, was I the best version of who I could be? So mm-hmm. my thing is, even though I was a good man and they say I was a good man and all of this, it doesn't matter. Was I the best version of who I can be? Was I the best version like spiritually, that. mentally, or physically? And so, therefore, mm-hmm. I cannot blame them. I have to look at fault in myself to say, you know what, if I am too big to hold my wife's hand and walk in the park, then that's an issue. So mm-hmm. I need to take mm-hmm. care of that. If there's a problem going on in the home and I'm not praying and covering us spiritually, then there's a problem there. 
So mm-hmm. you have to be mm-hmm. the best version of you so you can be the best version for the ones that you love. And so mm-hmm. that's what Operation Spandex is really about. It's about, you know, being the best version of who you can be mentally, spiritually, physically. I and love so that. That's a, that's a rebirth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my thing is, even though I've been doing comedy, I have came off the road, and now I'm getting ready to go back. But it's going to be a, a picture, a life-size poster of myself when I was 400 and something pounds, and then, of course, the, the, the new picture of me being around 200 and something pounds uh, mm-hmm. that gives mm-hmm. them a visual. Uh, but it's just about being the best version of you. But I want to use the weight loss to even deal with them on the spiritual level, the um, the physical level as well as the mental a level mm-hmm. because like we're that. out of control. We're out of control in so many areas or undisciplined, I should say, in so many areas of our life. I figured this thing out. If you, you know, everybody always talk about putting God first, but if you do like Romans say, you know, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, then you realize mm. that other appetites. When I, you know, it was hard, you know, for me, just being transparent, it was hard for me to, um, come out of marriage over 20-something years and you having uh, sex every day or every other day while you're married and then have to come to not doing anything, well, that didn't work out well for me. But I realize that mm-hmm. being celibate now that I'm clear in my thought pattern of what I can do. I'm more focused uh, mm-hmm. on the journey uh, as well. And so sometimes it is presenting yourself a certain way in order to do uh, the things that, you know, uh, you need to do for the kingdom of God. So I just want to say what a blessing uh, you are because I've been sitting up here and, you know, in this cold house, and, and God had, get, has to get you in a place because I, I kept saying I got to get back to purpose. And, yeah. and and my purpose is to really, you know, even though God is giving me a platform that he has to make people laugh, it's also a platform to motivate people uh to, to be the best version of them I'm just using the comedy uh, To get there To motivate them through comedy To show them my faults and my inconsistencies In a humorous way That it will make a change in other people's lives Mhm, mhm. And Darwin Hobbs did the same thing Darwin Hobbs is a gospel singer And he did a lot of weight loss as well And um, there's I mean that's I think he's Medisa um, that also did some weight loss, and I think Tamla Mann is doing that whole thing. I mean, it is connected. I personally also have been on a, a, a healthy living, aging healthy uh, rebrand, as so to speak. I actually have a couple of covers of magazines that I did this year talking about the story of I lost 35 pounds. It wasn't as dramatic as yours, but a lot shorter than you, and it just it just it was just a lot. But what happens is, is that as you get older, the propensity for diseases, diabetes, you know, a lot yeah. of black women have strokes, um, you know, heart disease, cholesterol. So I didn't want that. And so I really um, started with not eating meat, not eating, um, you know, not eating beef, then not eating, not eating chicken, right. and then not eating fish, and then vegetarian. Then I became vegan. And I did Zumba. I started doing Zumba, became a Zumba instructor. I mean, you have to focus in on the area of the life. It says, okay, what parts of my life aren't working? And right. I've got all these different little baskets. So what isn't working and what – so you look at them, and it's like, okay, how do I improve that basket? And you focus in on that one. So for me, I just dug right in into nutrition, healthy living, going to the health food store, uh, becoming doing Zumba, finding an exercise that I like because I really didn't like exercise, like running down the street. I tried that, like, okay, this is not working for me. I mean, I'm in Detroit, and running in the wintertime was not my idea of fun, right? And it had to be fun if you want to keep doing it, at least for me anyway. And so right. I, I found Zumba was just my way to dance. You know, I just kind of get out my quote-unquote inner Beyonce, right? You know, I'm just like dancing. It's like, hey, this is fun. And it was I was losing weight. Um, doing that, and so I just encourage everyone to eat right. I mean, there's there's so many yes. things that when you talk about our society, oh my God, it's it's horrible. The amount of 
the way we celebrate bad food is just amazing to me. You go to a family reunion, it's like it's like you want to kill somebody. It's like why are they serving all this bad food? And then you go to a funeral, it's like well, what did they die of? They died of a stroke. And then well, why are you serving fried chicken? It's it's just <laughs> so right. you know. I, I'm like I'll put that okay, in my show. You know, <laughs> he out of a stroke, but we having fried chicken with mother tonight. <laughs> and he will, Pat. I'm telling you, it will be in his show. Yes, sir. Oh, my God. My uncle just died of diabetes. Yeah. But we got four pound cake with icing. Yeah. yeah, hand me that cobbler. It's like, come on now. Yeah. Come on now. Think about it. Think about it. And so it's really just for us to really take those segments of our life. What what do I need to work on? Okay, do I need to work on my finances? Do I need to work on my relationship? Do I need to work on my my look? There's some women out there that haven't changed their hairstyle like 12, 12, 15 years. It's like, okay, 2017, Mm. let's up level. Why don't we get a new hairstyle? Either cut it, buy it, dye it, something. Do something different. That, that shows that there's something inside of you that is going on different. Because if you stay the same all the time, you're going to die. Um, there's a thing, mm-hmm. you know, Dory the Explorer, right? You know, Dory, um, not mm-hmm. Dory the Explorer, but Dory um, and Nemo, right? It's like just keep swimming. It's like you have to keep swimming. If a fish or a shark stops swimming, they die. So we have mm-hmm. to always continue to change. It's, it, it's about life. And one of my other mentors, Dr. Teresa Hairston from Gospel Today, I love her. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. She mm-hmm. is like a role model to me. I mean, I love her. She did Gospel Today for like 30 years, and it started out as a newsletter, and now she's going on. She's a PhD. She's a preacher. She did an entrepreneur boot camp as well, um, Colette, where she actually, you know, combined what she learned in the magazine industry with ministry and did that entrepreneur boot camp and she's always changing her style. I mean she is the she is a role model. She's and I asked her because a lot of gospel singers are heavy, you know, like Fred Hammond or, or Donald yes. Hopkins and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. it's like what is that about? And and, and Teresa would say it's just the habits that they have. The ha- the choices yes. they make become the habits. So you have right. to know to make the good choices because the choices eventually become habit. Then it's like a habit to eat this way. And all and she said, I, I know, for me, Teresa would say, for me, I had to make the choice that I'm not going to do. And I would go travel with her. I would travel with her sometimes to different places, and she would not indulge, even though there would be all kinds of desserts and all kinds of, like, fatty foods. And she would just make a choice mm-hmm. that I'm going to eat this and be fine. And, not, and she says, so what is it that's eating people that makes them want to eat this food? And that's what people have to really look at. And she preaches on that. It's like you cannot let food be your pacifier. What is really going on on the right. inside? And face that. And that's really part of her ministry because she looks like a model. And she's got three kids and a grandma. See, that's but what I'm talking she, about, a sexy Christian. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, <laughs> she is. She is sharp. That's, that's true. Sharp. I, I, I love know. her. I, mm-hmm. I do too. I admire her. I definitely admire her. But you're right because you get into a pattern. I worked for Don King for 28 years. And after wow. the events, it's like, you know, you're, first of all, your body never knows what time zone it's in because, you know, you're all over the world doing different events and different time zones and what have you. But he had this thing that after the event, I don't care what time zone you were on, you were going to, everybody had to go and have this meal. You know, and late-night meals became a habit, and so did gaining the mm-hmm. weight. And you do. You yeah. have to get to that place of, okay, I just can't do this anymore. You know, this is just not mm-hmm. healthy for me. You know, even though everybody around you, it's the norm of what they do, but still, it, you have to draw that line in the sand. Something else that you said um, that I really, really appreciated was your, your affinity to help baby boomers. Because I said this a couple of months ago, in, in October, I turned 60, and I'm going, okay, <laughs> all of a sudden my life has pivoted to a whole nother place, and I'm going, okay, Daddy, you waited until I turned 60 for me to enter into this season? And this is like, okay. But you know what, and, and then I have to come back to the realization that, you know, God is not in time, he is time, so he will restore the youth, he will renew 
you yes. know what I'm saying, and give mm-hmm. you what you mm-hmm. need. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you have a role to play again in keeping that stamina up. What are you doing to mm-hmm. take care of yourself? You know, That's and it. understanding that, that you, have you, to you can't look them. at the mm-hmm. number and allow the number of your age to stop you because it's like it's like what season of God saying is you're in, you know, and mm-hmm. and dealing with that and going forward. Reese. I, I there really you go. That's, love I to. think I hear a message right there. <laughs> That's it. That's Absolutely. It. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 60 is the new 40. That's what they say. It is. It really is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have mm-hmm. a friend who said this to me probably like maybe five or six years ago, and I didn't fully appreciate it until now I'm in this season. And, and my friend is in her latter 70s. And um, and she said, you know, Carla, I look in the mirror, and as I look in the mirror, I'm going, who is that old lady looking back at me? Because my features, and she's Caucasian, so, you know, they don't wear their age quite like we do. And so she's mm-hmm. like, my features, and I'm seeing these wrinkles and these sags, but my spirit, me inside, does not feel what I see. Wow. And, you know, wow. it's like... I understand now, you know, because I was like, mm-hmm. this was kind of a milestone for me. But I don't feel mm-hmm. what the number indicates, you know? Right. Um, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, a, lot it's, of it's a, a lot of baby boomers don't. Mm-hmm. But it's an exciting time because you finally get to where you're comfortable in your own skin. You're not trying to be what yes. somebody else says you need to be, you know? You are so comfortable in who God created you to be, and it's it's really liberating. I find that it's it really that, liberating. That is one of the most. There, there's two things that really motivate most people. You know, if you ask people, what is it that motivates you in this age? Oh, you know, Christians like love, God, this and that. Well, yeah, that that even those kind of things are are. If you were to ask people what motivates them, but really, it's really two things. People what? are really concerned with. How they look to mm-hmm. other people, they want to look good, and they're worried yeah. about looking bad. So, I mean, from the time they could, we could really recognize what's going on around us, we want to know how do we look good, and we don't want to look bad. And so up until, like you said, Colette, up until about maybe 40, 45, 50, definitely 50, I think when we hit the stride of hitting 50, we are not concerned about how we look to other mm-hmm. people. And, and we aren't Mm-mm. afraid about looking bad because we don't live this world too long to know that we are going to look bad sometimes, and I'm still going to survive. Absolutely. And I'm not going to be worried mm-hmm. about whether I look good to somebody else. I just need to know that I'm, like what you said, D.L., I want to be the best I can be for me. Just be the right. best. Yeah. And that's it. Do you look all that other stuff? We wear, like, loose clothing and whatever. But so when you hit that stride about 50, 60, it's like I don't care. I know I have more time behind me than I do have left. And it's like I can't be cur- – that those two things cannot be worried about, mm not anymore. That's why when you see people about 70 years old, they say anything. Okay. <laughs> it's like, uh-uh. Serious. You know? Oh, and the such a thing like life is too short for me to allow your opinion of me really to hinder me. I'm like seriously. Yes, exactly. And we hinder ourselves by being trying to being concerned with that. You know, not that we're rude or anything, but not be preoccupied with it. Like like in our twenties, maybe we were, or thirties. And I just, you know, the whole thing with social media and baby boomers is that is the shy thing that really. When I try to train people on how to use social media, a lot of the baby boomers says, well, I'm not going to look like, you know, when I take a selfie, I'm not going to look this way or whatever, and I've got to lose. I mean, so the whole social media thing for baby boomers is a little scary because obviously they're posting pictures and you're, you're comparing the likes versus what may be likes of someone at 35 and you're 70. I mean, obviously there's going to be some different things. So you've got to really train yourself that you're not going to look like Beyonce when you post a picture, Okay. You are right, right. 50, 60 years old, so you're not going to look like uh-huh. that. You've got to be comfortable in your uh-huh. own skin and not really do that comparison trap because that is a trap and it is from the devil, so you're not going to do that. So you have to do really, it. But at the same time, the younger people that are doing the social media, thank God we didn't grow up with it, but now that becomes their world. They think that's their self-esteem. They think that if I have so mm-hmm. many likes on social media or the popularity is now public, 
because I see the light, that's connected to their self-esteem, which is a whole nother area that I speak to youth about as well, because now they're just mm-hmm. trying to do anything in order to get the light, mm-hmm. you know, where women mm-hmm. are showing too much of this or men are just trying to, to floss. I mean, it's just crazy. And so when yeah. I do speak to youth about social media, I said, be careful, it is not real. People are not posting yes. every day their best stuff, okay? It's not real. That's true. So don't, That's don't, true. And don't get caught up. Somebody, you know, don't get caught up in that. And, and it's mm-hmm. hard to tell someone who's young, who's a teenager in their 20s or, or their 30s. or You know, when I went to a 10-year class reunion or 20-year class reunion, we went to those reunions and we didn't really see each other in between. You know, it was good to see mm-hmm. them. But now if someone goes to their 10-year reunion now, they see them on Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever all the time. It's different. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they floss on Facebook or Instagram, so they can't really even be real when they go to a reunion because it's like, well, I thought you were, you know, this and that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. I'm like, yeah. wow. It's a whole nother yeah. level of what they are dealing with that baby boomers don't have to deal with. We, we're dealing with other things with the social media, but we're not dealing with what the young people are going to be dealing with because it costs them their job. Sometimes it costs them some relationships. It costs friendships. There's cyberbullying. I mean, there's just a whole other mm-hmm. thing that baby boomers didn't have to deal with, but they have to deal Very with true. it, and it's a whole whole new level of game that they've got to play, and 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 we've got to really help guide them because it's 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 a new it's a new avenue of how I, I guess you would say Satan could get in and really destroy lives. Something that That's could be so true for good. And now all of a sudden people are that using it for, 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 for things. So we've got to just really help guide people in that. Um, my daughter, you know, I try to explain to her about the use of social media and how you can build your brand for good or bad on social media. And you, you, you have to be very careful with that because it stays there forever. If it's in Google, it's going to be there forever. I mean, you can't erase it with yeah, an yeah. opinion. That's know, true. So it's so really true. different. But, yeah, 60 is new 40 we, for sure. <laughs> for real, for real. We are down to like the last seven minutes of the show. It goes by so quickly. Wow. It's an hour. Uh, but really what I would love for you to do, Pam, is share with the audience the programs that you have in place that they can sign up for, that, you know, I know you have a, a mentorship, you have your your boot camp and different things, but um, things that, you know, they can – uh-oh, I lost Pam. Are you gone? I can see where the caller dropped. Shoot. Well, she'll call back in. Uh-huh. This has been really good. This is real, real good. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. There she is. Hold on one sec. Uh, Pam? There. Can you hear me? Yes, can you hear okay, me? Okay, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Oh, Look, Pam, Pam done touched that. She done said all that good stuff and dropped the line. Ain't that like dropping the line? She just said what she, she had to say and just said, click up. <laughs> you know so? I said, well, good friend. Where'd she go? <laughs> but anyway, because like I said, our focus is to finish strong in 2016, and you have so much to offer. I really would love for you to take this time and share with the audience your program, how they can hook up with you, and because it's never too late to get started. No. You know, it's never too late to get started. Mm -mm. It's just a decision. It's just a decision to just really hit that button and say go. So I have um, PamPRPR.com. I have a five-part audio series on how to, quote, unquote, get out there. And it's a free audio series where people will just listen to how to really market and brand themselves online and offline. So they could start there. That's a great place to start. It's basically um, five audio lessons. They're roughly about 15 minutes each. And you can listen to the on the go on uh, wherever they want to wherever they want to listen. And to. what's the website then again, I also, Pam? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, Pam Perry. Okay. Pr. Dot mm-hmm, com. Perry Pr. Dot com. Gotcha. All right. Mm-hmm. And then I have other programs as well. I have a mentoring program that I actually 
take people from soup to nuts in terms of how to really position themselves online. It comes with uh, access to me via a private Facebook group where we do uh, Q&A once a week. We do teleclasses, and we actually, you know, people ask me questions, and they go through the materials as well. And so that program is 197 and that's for six months. And so people can actually have access to that. Then I have another program that I'm going to be starting next year for PR pros, and that really is how to for PR pros and how to really leverage social media in their PR practices. So that's going to be starting next year. So that's my new 2017, along with the book that God has been nudging me to do as well and to launch it with the uh, signature event that I'm going to do next year. Because I coach people on doing books, right? So, yeah, I got a – my book is seven years old. So it's, I think it's time. Eight is at, what, the new beginning? So, yeah, so I think it's yeah. time for me to do a yeah. book. <laughs> show with her. She was a book author. Uh, well, um, yes. I used to do um, Kendra. Kendra Norman Bellamy. Yes. Uh, I used to do right. her. Uh, yeah, I used to on the do cruise. Her, the comedian on her cruise, yes. Yeah. Right. Yes, I love Kim. I met Kim on mm-hmm. the cruise as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of my Christian fiction authors. Yes, I did her I did her book mm-hmm. and helped her with her book deals. Wow. Stuff, yep, small yep. world. That is it. Small where it is. It's like it used to be six degrees separation. Now it's down to like two. Two degrees, yeah, really. Mm-hmm. That's real. Mm-hmm. That's real. And especially with the internet, I, you, you, this is really funny to me. Um, I I saw another description of you, and it said social media evangelist, and I was like, oh, yeah. well, that's interesting. But then I googled it and find out found out it is actually a job description for mm-hmm. really. It is. <laughs> it is. It actually is. Amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was well, something that Vita have... Brown, she told me about that years ago. She said, you're like a social media evangelist. And so that kind of like stuck, and that was probably 2005 or six, and so Vita Brown with a black gospel wow. promo. Mm-hmm. 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 Amen. This has been incredible. Incredible. Yes, incredible. Seriously. We have two minutes left. Pam, give it your best shot to encourage our listeners to finish this year strong. Yes. I would say the month of December is really a good time to really reflect on what you've done this year. Look at what it is that that worked and look at what didn't work. Focus on what worked and the things that didn't work. Put that to the side and really expand on what did work in 2016 and then just really decide that you're going to up-level that in 2017. If you have to get into a mastermind or a mentoring group, but take some time to really look at um, and map out a, a strategy for 2017 that will take you to that next level. So I just really encourage people to do that. Do the, it, Make December, you know, along with, you know, celebrating Jesus and celebrating your family, take some time to really, you know, discover what it is that you want to do in 2017. Look at what God is speaking to you. Do some homework, head to the bookstore, get some books. I'm a big proponent of reading some books. I've got some good ones if you want to email me and ask me what are some good books you should get for next year. Um, but do that. And, and if you can, try and go to an event. I mean, I'm, I'm hosting an event, the Six Figure Mastermind, um, here in Detroit on December 16th and 17th. Just try and, and go to some different events where you know, even if it's online, of what it is you need to do to up-level for the next year. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us and our audience. We really, really oh, thank appreciate you for having you. This me. This is wonderful. Been great. Both of you guys. It has. 
Thank you. Well, Leo, you want to say goodbye? Because we've got 20 seconds. Keep it short. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> oh, okay, that's short. <laughs> that All right. I'll be All talking right. to you soon, though, fam. So I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm going to get in contact with you somehow. But I, I, I need oh, to talk good. with you. I really do. Well, you know what? I did a story uh-huh. just real quick. I did a story on gospel comedians um, for Gospel Today, and it might still be on the website, but I did Comedian Bone and some other comedians. So I have a really, really heart for Christian comedians, so I would love to talk with you. Mm-hmm. Yes, without a doubt. Yes, yes. So that I think it was that laughter is good like medicine, so that is for sure. I think Christians need to laugh more. Jesus, please. Yes, Absolutely. you got that right. <laughs> Absolutely. So true. So true. Well, thank you again. Thank you, DL. Thank you to all of our listeners. Please know that this show will be in the archives. So if you need, know someone needs to hear it, tell them just, you know, click the link. They can't call in, but they can click the link and listen to Mm -hmm. it on Blog Talk Radio. It's real. Have a wonderful week, and we will meet you again in the airwaves next Saturday. God bless. Let's keep it real